0: So that means leaving enough time to do that. You can't go, oh, we set aside time till the top of the hour and we got 30 seconds left. Uh, when would you like to talk next? And they go, uh, I don't know, shoot me an email and we'll pick a time on Monday. That's terrible. That, that's not gonna get done and people are always gonna um, get distracted by other things when that happens. So if you leave a nice comfortable five, 15 minutes at the end of the call to work out whether there should be another meeting, what that meeting looks like, who needs to be involved, what the agenda is, and then make that decision and then pick something on the calendar and you never leave a meeting without a next meeting scheduled, those things will be a lot lot smoother for you.
1: Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life, so let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice.
2: Have you guys ever had a prospect tell you yes, but then disappear off the face of the earth? (laughs) Or maybe you've given someone on your team very clear instructions just to find out that they actually did the opposite. I know that I've struggled with these challenges more than I would like to admit. And I really wanted to learn a better way to read my customers, my team, and the most important people in my life so that I could communicate with them more effectively. And the most powerful way that i found to do this is to learn to read body language and micro expressions. You see, their body and expressions will tell you the truth about how they really feel even when their words do not. It's an incredibly powerful skill to learn and one that I want you to learn. And that's why I partnered with the leaders in Body Language Training for Business People to offer you a free six-week e-course on body language and micro expressions. In this free course, you'll learn what microexpressions are, why are they so powerful, how to spot them, and then how to read them. You'll learn how to make accurate readings, which is so important. You'll learn body language with a big focus on positive body language to understand when things are going really well. You'll learn how to read minds in real time and actually see a demonstration of this. And maybe most importantly, you'll learn how to spot lies and so much more. These folks have trained over 50,000 business leaders, and the work has been published in the Harvard Business Review. The concepts have been proven to boost EQ by 10% and sales by 20%. So this is really powerful stuff, guys, that you'll definitely want to check out. So you can sign up for your free six-week e-course at bodylanguagemastery.gregjrice.com. Again, that's BodyLanguageMastery.GregJRice. and make sure you guys go check that out to ensure that you're never left wondering what happened to that sale or why your team member did the opposite of what you expected them to What's up, guys? I hope everybody is having a great day. Today, I had the pleasure of speaking with Mike Montague. Mike is the global head of content development for the Sandler sales training system. And for those of you who don't know, Sandler is one of the leading sales training systems out there today. I've actually been trained in it at two different roles, sales roles that I've had previously in my life. So it's a really powerful sales system. He's also the host of the How to Succeed podcast, where they talk about what they talk to successful leaders and and try to uncover the secrets of what made them successful so that we can apply it to our own lives. And he just launched a really fun podcast called The Playful Humans Podcast, where he focuses on how we as adults can get back to having fun and joy in our lives, certainly something that I need to to do a bit more of. Now, in, in the interview, we got into a lot of great topics. He dropped a ton of really valuable sales nuggets. We got into the importance of self-awareness and why it's so important to be aware of yourself to be a great salesperson, as well as how important it is to understand your prospect or your client and what's most important to them and how to dig into that. We talked about how to build trust and relationships with our prospect and clients, and he dropped a number of really powerful tools that I hadn't heard of before. So you want to be sure to check those out. And so if you sell in any way at all, and face it, all of us sell in one way or another in our lives, you really need to get out your notebook for this interview and, and take some in-depth notes. Enjoy. Mike, welcome to the Art of Communication podcast. Really excited to chat a bit today. Me too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. So I always like to start Kind of at the beginning, and I'd like to just get an idea, kind of how you got started in in the sales game to begin with.
0: Well, it is a little bit of a long story, but to make it short, my dad was a professional salesperson uh, his whole life. I come from a long line of salespeople on my father's side, and he became a Sandler trainer when I was a junior in high school. So I took my first sales training course between my junior and senior year of high school, uh, before I had anything to sell really, but I did find the communication principles very helpful in college, uh, with the ladies bonding and rapport tactics and and stuff, (laughs) uh, help when you're dating and and job interviewing and all that other good stuff. Uh, and kind of took it on and off in my twenties. Um, but I didn't feel like I could be a sales trainer and, and do it, you know, like, hey, I'm 22 years old, Mr. CEO, let me tell you uh, how to run your sales team. So I kind of put that off. But uh, around my 30th birthday, I, I started working full time as a, a sales trainer and I've been doing that for the last 11 years now and uh, having a whole lot of fun with it.
2: It's an interesting point that, that you bring up there about how it, it helps you out in high school as well with the girls and things, right? That's an interesting thing I've learned as I've gone through a variety of sales training is that you get to know yourself better and, and you just get a better relationship with everybody in your personal life as well because you just understand them better. You ask better questions. You listen better. And I've always found it to be a really powerful piece of what I get out of sales training. Yeah, it's interesting. Most people go to sales training to sell more and make more
0: money. That's mm. that's pretty obvious. But most people leaving our training say that it helped grow themselves personally and it was better relationships with their kids or their spouse or uh, other things, parents uh, a lot of times too. And that is the really cool side benefit of it. If you become a better communicator,
2: it improves all of your relationships, not just you know some of them. Absolutely. And it's really part of what sparked my passion about communication in general. Some of the fundamentals I've learned through sales training and how powerful they've been in my personal communication. So that's really cool. And and on that point, I know a big part of selling successfully and communicating successfully is understanding yourself. Right, gaining that self-awareness. And I think that's probably a big aha moment for a lot of people coming to sales training, expecting to learn how to close and handle objections. And I know in Sandler, at least you start by diving deep into who you are and what drives you. So tell me a little bit about the importance of that.
0: Well, two things. Um, You can't really make a, a plan for where you want to go and where you want to end up and be successful if you don't have two things, where you are now and where you want to go. You think about it a GPS system, right? It needs to know where you are currently and where you want to go. And between there, you're just recalculating and finding your way and continuing to try and get closer to where you want to be. So obviously we start with where you are. Now with communication skills, there's a whole nother side of that, which is most people don't understand that there are so many different preferences that there's no one right way to communicate. So the best way to communicate with somebody is, matching their style or treating them the way they want to be treated. Mm -hmm. So in order to do that, you kind of have to understand where your strengths and weaknesses are and where your preferences are so that you can start understanding how other people's preferences might be different. So I'm kind of going really deep here. You can ask me a follow-up question, but what I would say is uh, a lot of people treat others the way they want to be treated, which is, is nice. It means you probably won't harm somebody But the best way to communicate is to treat someone the way they want to be
2: treated. Mm -hmm.
0: And so in order to do that, you really need a lot of self-awareness and you need to be paying a lot of attention to the other person.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the follow-up question for me would be, how do we start to figure out how they want to be treated?
0: Well, the good news about this stuff is a lot of people will tell you there's not a lot of secrets in, in that. So if you pay attention, people do what they think is best, which is also really interesting. So one of my favorite lines I used to tell my, my buddies in college that, that didn't study this stuff or know it is like, you know how to be a great kisser is to kiss somebody the way they kiss you right? Like nobody, if you don't like sloppy tongue, (laughs) then then you're not You're going to be turned off by that. Then you're not doing that to other people, right? That would make sense. Uh, So that's a funny analogy, but in sales or in life and communications, the same thing happens. People talk at the speed and the volume that they prefer. If they wanted to talk louder, they would talk louder, right? If they wanted to talk faster, they would be talking faster. If they slow down, then you slow down and by matching the other person, you really get a good sense of the way they prefer to be communicated with.
2: Man, everything comes back to dating for you, it seems, right? We got two dating (laughs) references in about five minutes, so that's, that's fun. So, you know, one challenge I had as I learned this stuff and tried to apply it throughout my life is, is how do I pay attention to how they're talking and their tonality and their body language and think about mirroring them and how I should respond, do all that and still be able to listen to what they're saying. It's always been a challenge for me. So tell me how you, how you deal with that. That is a challenge. And so one of the hardest parts when
0: you're learning, this is why it takes time, is it's not something you can just flip in your head that... Uh, once you become aware of all of these different things that you could be paying attention to, they, um, they can get in your way of the way you naturally communicate. So you can start thinking about it too much, which doesn't lend uh, to great communication. So what I recommend doing is looking for specific instances. Mm. So rather than just be your natural self, hey, have fun, go through it, especially in a sales process. If a buyer's working with you, things are going smooth, it looks like everything's going great if they disappear and ghost you, what happened? Uh, If they become agitated and shift in their seat or they become angry or impatient, that's a cue that something is off, right? So if you just kind of pay attention to the general energy and flow of things, if it's going great and you have a natural bonding and rapport, then great. You don't have to change anything. If something's not working and you just feel like you're not connecting, then start looking at those boxes and saying,
2: "Uh, which one's
0: off here,
2: Yeah, that's interesting. And I've also found that we're, we're naturally inclined to see and understand these things. Like when somebody becomes agitated, mm. you know, it's in our nature to, to see that, but we're usually so much in our own head that we don't. So it's more about, for me, about clearing out my own mind so I can start to be more aware of the other person than it is uh, paying super attention to everything that they're doing. It's about seeing them as a whole and, and understanding them and reacting to them versus watching their eyebrows and their mouth and how their eyes move and then what they say and did they use a visual word or an auditory word and kind of all those kinds of things.
0: Yeah. And I think you make a great point there too, which is a lot of times people are worried about what they're going to say next. And so you're spending all your time thinking about your points rather than listening, Mm. but it doesn't take that long. The human brain is a really fast computer system. (laughs) So you can listen intently to them, pay attention, tune into their energy and and what they're saying and, and what they're communicating, what they, their needs are. And then you can take a second, take a deep breath and go, Hmm, that's interesting. And think about it and then come up with your response. And so in Sandler, too, we teach people techniques like that of saying, mm-hmm. hey, that's a good question. Uh, how did you, how did you, why did you ask it right now? Uh, and that will buy you time <laughs> to think of a better response if you don't have one. So you can put tools in your tool belt there for things if they happen to go wrong. But honestly, I found your brain's working 100 miles an hour, you're, you're going to come up with something. You're not just going to sit there and go, uh, I don't know. I'll call you back. <laughs> <Click>. <laughs> right.
2: So, so true. It's really scary when you first start not allowing yourself to focus on what you're going to say next. And you kind of jump off that clip without knowing if you have a parachute or not. But I found that almost every case that it, it's not nearly as scary as it seems right when it actually happens. You always find something to say or a question to ask. And even if you don't, nothing bad happens. you know what I mean? Right.
0: Yeah. And I think more of that is prep before the call anyway, right? So if you learn about your products and services, if you prepare questions that you want answers to before the call, then you have all those notes in front of you. And especially now, that's one of the benefits of selling remotely. A lot of salespeople are are struggling and they want to know how to sell better virtually or over zoom well hey one of the great things is you can have your notes up you can have websites up you can have all kinds of things laid out in front of you and they don't see it at all so you can look really smart by just working down a checklist of things you already prepared
2: yeah that's a great point and and you bring up the video side of things i'm curious of how your approach to training has changed now that we're doing a lot of selling a lot more selling virtually and not in person
0: yeah um I would say there's two sides of that coin. Sales itself hasn't really changed. You're still helping a buyer walk through a decision-making process and and come to the best outcome for them. So as far as our sales theory and stuff goes, Sandler's been around for 51 years. We're not throwing that out the window (laughs) because of COVID. The stuff we do about finding why people buy and and how they prefer to communicate and how to walk through a, a sales process, all that's the same. But that being said, there are a lot of new skills, especially, I think, around presenting and stuff that come inside of that framework of stuff. So um, opening up a collaborative document might be something that's new for for salespeople where, you know, if you're in a face to face meeting, you both take your own notes and and stuff and you kind of work out what you're trying to come to. In a Zoom meeting, you can pop it up on the screen, share your screen, open a Google doc, share it with them. And you can both be writing at the same time and collaborating on this document. And you can come up with the proposal and the plan right face to face with them. And there's some cooler tools for that. Same thing uh, with pre-recorded video, I found is one of the things that took off this year where it was pretty much just email or you sent over a PDF with your document. The tools have gotten so cool now that you can just pop open your phone or your webcam and say, uh, hey, Gregory, I saw that you wanted this and this in your proposal. I made sure that it's in there. Look on page three and you'll see where I gave you that discount that you asked for. And you can actually talk to them. And then they can hear your tone and intention where so much communication is lost over text messages and email that don't have uh, you know, the Sarcastica font in there so they, they know when you're joking.
2: Yeah, those are both really powerful and exciting. I think I have not executed on either of those. So, so those are both really cool. Um, I love the idea of co creating a document with my client or prospect, because you really gain clarity that way, I think, because what they're saying, um, I might think I understand, but once I put it on there, and they look at it, like, oh, you know, that's not what I mean. So now let's get clarity. So that's really powerful. And then the video piece is, is so powerful, because as you said, you come across with all your personal intention. But You also save time, I think, rather than spending a half hour crafting the perfect email, explaining where everything is in the proposal. It'll take five minutes to just voice a video and shoot it over. Um, And it's more personalized. I think that's really cool. You triggered another
0: one for me that we've seen with our clients is getting more people in the room because you don't have to fly people together for an in-person meeting or that the scheduling tools like Calendly, I love, or uh, find time, get a bunch of people to, to pick a time that works for them. And then you can get all the decision makers on one call rather than to have a whole bunch of different meetings. Sometimes you can get to better or different people in a a larger enterprise sale, which is great. Or just being able to work quickly through it, you know, popping open a Zoom and and talking it out really quickly is just a couple of clicks. And it's so much easier to schedule those. Even with people working at home, I found decision makers are actually more available Mm. now than they were before, which is interesting.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and that's another point I want to get into is that, especially from a B2B perspective, if you're an entrepreneur looking to sell to other companies or if you're a salesman obviously looking to grow your portfolio, decisions are becoming more and more made by multiple people. You know, the cast of characters is getting bigger and bigger, I think, every year. So I'm curious, just in in general, not necessarily in the virtual world, although although I love your thought about bringing everybody together there, um, how do you start to gain visibility into the entire framework of decision-making and start to get those people tied into the conversation when the person you're talking to probably wants to hold on to those reins of power themselves.
0: They do. Uh, We've been working with a company called Vidyard, and they're our partner for that pre-recorded video Mm -hmm. stuff. I don't know if you've heard about them, but basically it's an app that you can record the video and insert it right into your email with an animated GIF that's really cool. They can just click on it uh, or GIF if you prefer, (laughs) and and they can (laughs) open the video and watch it really quick. And... They shared some interesting stats with us that you know, you might, if there's 80 people in a company, you might have only met five of them. But if you send this video over to your partner and say, Hey, here's what we talked about, and here's the summary, they can pass that along really easily. And so they were seeing a lot more views of the video than people they had met with in the company when you look at the stats. And so cool stuff with the technology now is you can track all of that, right? How many opens. Uh, We also work with a company called Highspot where you can send a document or presentation over and see who viewed it and how long they viewed it, how long they spent on each slide. So if they, you know, skip through all the way to slide five and then spent five minutes on that one, that might be the thing that's most important to them, right? And there's some really cool data analytics. Gong is another company that records the call for you. And then they do vocal analytics. So they can tell you how long you spoke versus somebody else or when decision makers were brought up in the process. There's a really cool data about that, that um, you want higher end decision makers brought up early in the process and late, but the more they kind of get involved, the longer the process tends to to take. Mm -hmm. So the best sellers were kind of getting referred down early. So they'd meet with the high person and then get referred to the person taking it. And then they would make sure that they connected at the end to make sure that all the goals for all the parties we're in alignment. and You got consensus from all the decision makers.
2: Yeah, very, very. Another great tool I wasn't familiar with, so I, I appreciate that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be taking notes as I listen to this back and, and and definitely digging into some of these. So thank you for that. A lot of value for me, and I'm sure for my audience as well.
0: Well, um, check them out. Some of them have free trials, but you can definitely do way too much
2: too. So you can end yeah, up with you know true. several hundreds or thousands of
0: dollars in different SaaS subscriptions for all the different tools. But, but pick one that, that fits your needs and what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, chasing the shiny object.
2: Yeah, for sure. But to shift back to, I guess, at the core of all this, right? While we're doing all of this is to, to build trust and build relationships with our clients. So tell me a bit how, how you go about doing that. I think
0: two things again. Uh, the first one is you're trying to create an atmosphere, an environment, a relationship that is open and honest. And in order for people to communicate that way, you really have to lower their defensive walls. Uh, and I think buyers, humans just in general, can sense when somebody's being pushy, when they have an agenda, when they're trying to move things forward faster. Mm -hmm. And so one of our rules in Sandler is go for the no. Mm -hmm. If you take it away, if you say, hey, it's completely okay to tell me no, there's no pressure. I'm not going to ask you to buy anything today if you don't ask me to sell it to you uh, first. So we're just going to take it really easy. If there's a next step, we'll figure out what that is and we'll set another step for that. That allows people to relax and feel like, okay, I can, I can tell this person the truth and I can move with them and they're not gonna try and manipulate me or make me move faster than I'm ready to move. And the, the second part of that is having a really clear process and being upfront about what you do expect. So a lot of people feel unsafe and anxious when they don't know what's happening next. And at Sandler, we call this the upfront contract. So upfront, we tell them, here are the few next steps that are happening. And the and the more you can shine a light on the sales process and where things are going, how many meetings there's going to have to be, what the contract looks like is legal involved, all of that stuff. The more you can make it safe for that buyer because they go, okay, I know what's coming. None of us like walking around, you know, with blinders on or in the dark and not knowing what to expect. Anything that jumps out then becomes a surprise and our defensive walls go up. But If we can make it really safe, if we can make it really clear that we're here to help them figure out and make the best decision, if it's not us, that's okay. And here's what's going to happen next to you. No surprises. I think you'll see deals move a lot lot smoother and with a lot more trust.
2: Yeah, I think it also ties back to driving urgency. If there's visibility into the timeline, um, an agreement over what needs to happen, and the agreement's really important, it can't just be my timeline, it has to be our timeline, but you can use that to really drive urgency from step to step, because I know I've run into a lot of my career. We talk, we have a great conversation and we wanna move forward, but then it takes two months to get them back on the phone and then things go away, you know, things change. So that urgency piece is a really important concept as well
0: yeah and it has to be their urgency again. so mm-hmm. if you know where you're going and what the next step is, the key for you is being really clear about getting decisions at the end of conversations. So that means mm-hmm. leaving enough time to do that. you can't go, oh, we set aside time till the top of the hour and we got thirty seconds left. Uh, when would you like to talk next and they go, uh, I don't know, shoot me an email and we'll pick a time on Monday. That's terrible that that's not gonna get done and people are always gonna. Um, get distracted by other things when that happens. So if you leave a nice comfortable five, 15 minutes at the end of the call to work out whether there should be another meeting, what that meeting looks like, who needs to be involved, what the agenda is, and then make that decision. And then pick something on the calendar and you never leave a meeting without a next meeting scheduled. Those things will be a lot, lot smoother for you. And uh, I love what you said about the decision timeline, because that's their sense of urgency. When you know your steps and you can say, hey, we got five meetings to do before I can sell this to you. I wouldn't use those words. <laughs> but if I say I get, we got five meetings to do to get this through the process or five steps through our, our sales process, you know, you're probably going to want to see a demo. We're probably going to have to talk to legal. We're going to want to do some sort of presentation for you and stuff at the end to and, and make a decision. How long do you want that to take, that could probably take five days or that could take five months, depending on how fast you wanna move, which one is it for you,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: right? And then we let them decide and then you'll see people starting to work with you again to make sure that those meetings are on the calendar. And if they have a reason to buy and they want results faster, you can also build that in and say, okay, yeah. well, that's great. That'll get us to yes. But you wanted to start using this and we it's going to take us 30 days to install and then 30 days from there for you to see the results that you're expecting. So how fast do you want to get to that end result also helps create a sense of urgency without being pushy.
2: Yeah, I think understanding the outcome that they need to achieve, you know, the milestone or the thing they're looking to fix, and what's the timeline for doing that, and then using that as fuel is certainly critical, and building a whole timeline huge. around that. Yeah, for sure, huge. So, a bit of a different topic. You know, when we're at the point of making that sales presentation or proposal, and and really at that point of here's what we're offering, you know, do you want to buy it or not? What uh, what are the keys to making a really good sales presentation? Again, I'm going to sound like a little bit of a broken
0: record, but this is really a core concept of Sandler is to make it about them. Mm-hmm. So the number one mistake I see in salespeople, again, is they come up with their presentation about what they think is important, how how big and important their company is, and their presentation in the order and, and slides that they put together that they thought were best. What we see with the highest performing salespeople and successful engaging presentations is that we're putting all of that on the buyer's needs. So what order would you like me to present these things in or having them check out if you got a white knight and a B2B sale, that's awesome too. You got somebody Mm -hmm. on your side that can coach you and you say, Hey, Gregory, take a look at my my slide deck. Is there anything you delete out of here? Anything that's missing? Should I flip these slides around? I want to make sure that we cover your agenda and get to the most important things first. Uh, I think that's huge. And then finally, I would say, the best way to resonate with somebody in a presentation is to tell their story better than they can tell it themselves. So a lot of times salespeople focus on our story. Here's why our company exists and why our product is better. And let me tell you our story. When what really connects better is, let me tell you your story. You're probably experiencing X, Y, Z. You've probably tried ABC to fix it, and that happened to do this instead of this. But what we do differently is we're going to solve X by doing this instead of this. And our clients see this story here. And we're telling it in their world because that's what they care about. They don't care how long we've been in business, how credible mm-hmm. our stuff is, you know, that we think it's cheap and better, or cheaper and better quality and faster because every salesperson says that, right? For sure. So what we really gotta do is get into their heads and figure out what their story is, what their goals are, what their problems and challenges and obstacles are between getting to that reality.
2: I think the key to understanding those is about asking great questions. So tell Mm -hmm. me a little bit about uh, your strategy around asking questions and maybe share a few quick examples.
0: Well, I know you have a little experience with Sandler. So whenever this comes up, I always feel like the need I have to reverse. I should say, good question. Why do you ask that? (laughs) Uh, But uh, all right, let's talk about questions. I think they're critical. We have a a document you can find if you go to sandler.com slash sell, Mm -hmm. There's a free online e-learning library and there's a white paper in there called 101 questions you can ask on a sales call. And it comes from our, our book, asking questions the same way. Now that I got the promotion out of there, let's do the answer. <laughs> the answer is you need a lot of different types of questions. There, There's discovery questions where you're learning about them. There's impact questions where you're learning about the results There's decision-making questions, there's budget questions you have to ask. So there's a lot of stuff there. It's hard to pick out anything for me that's more important than the others, but I would say how you ask them is also important because sometimes salespeople use questions as a weapon. Like, oh, don't you want safety and security for your family, Gregory? You know, like, well, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> right, and, and it turns you off, and you're like, okay, this is somebody trying to push on me. But if instead I ask that same question about what are your, what are your biggest concerns about your long time long term financial security? Is it volatility of the stock market? Is it health insurance, catastrophic stuff? Is it having enough money to go play and and take a vacation? Which one is more important to you? That's a very neutral question that's allowing you to say yes or no. Mm-hmm. So again, from our perspective at Sandler, it's giving people permission to say yes, but also permission to say no, that's not important. And we could get into some ninja level stuff that I know you've heard before, but negative questions also do that. So it gives me an out. If I say, hey, you probably don't want to talk about retirement plans, do you? You can say no and I can say, okay, no worries. Uh we'll we'll throw that page out if you say, oh yeah, I definitely want to talk about that. And I go, oh, okay, that's good. Let me put that page on top. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, now it lets me shuffle what I'm doing based on your preferences. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. 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 Um, some great strategies there, I think. And the ability to ask powerful questions is I think just so important to the sales process and the ability to, in sales terms, right, dig into that pain and understand mm-hmm. what that real real challenge is. I'll tell you a question that I have, I don't know if struggled with is the right term, but it's when you get to that personal pain question, right? <laughs> when you move from, uh, this is difficult for me in the business because we're losing a million dollars a year to what does that mean for you personally? And I've always been a bit uncomfortable asking that question in that scenario. I'd love your thoughts on how to smoothly transition from the business to the personal side. That's definitely not
0: unusual. That's probably one of the the most common struggle points for for people who figure out our, our process of, uh, and let me start there. Just for people that don't know Sandler, we teach a, a three-part process. We want to know the business impact, right? What are the symptoms? What are the problems that you're seeing? Why did they call you to fix something in the first place, right? Then there's that return on investment questions. Like the the stuff right below that would be, okay, I called because I got a leak in my roof, And you go, okay, we'll fix the roof. But what's the roof costing you? Well, our plants shut down. So it's costing me, like you said, a million bucks. And you go, wow, that's a lot of money. What does that mean for you is level three? You go, well, I'm the facility manager. So if the plant's not running, I'm going to get fired here in, in, you know, three hours, three days or whatever. Okay, that's a different level, right? Mm -hmm. So that transition to that question is tough. Sometimes people don't like asking other people, how do you feel? Or they feel like it's manipulating somebody. And our, th- our thoughts here at Sandler are, are twofold. One, we're not causing the pain. We don't want to be manipulating somebody else and causing them to be worried about their job. But it's important for us to find out if they are worried about that or not. Mm-hmm. So I think also it needs to kind of be in that order. So if we've taken it from that surface level stuff, what's happening? What are the the symptoms? What's the root cause uh, of that issue? What are the business implications? Then kind of a natural question is, well, how important is this to you? So if you don't like asking about people's feelings or or you don't want to to ask about what their actual piece of the, the pie is, sometimes it makes sense. Like, if you're trying to help a partner make a big sale or something, they go, Hey, just out of curiosity, what's in it for you? Are you going to get a bonus or, or something here if th- mm-hmm. this goes well, or are you going to get in trouble if it doesn't? Is, is this your project or is this somebody else's? Those are some cool, kind of personal questions that just kind of say, I'm looking out for you, right? I, I'm on your side too. So if this isn't going to make you look good, then I don't want to do it, kind of thing. So it, it's tough. Did I answer the question there, or is there still more on? that that how does this make you feel or or how does that affect you personally?
2: I, I think you, you answered it effectively. Um, and, and my takeaway there and what I've learned as well is that my own mindset is so important. If I can look at it by through the lens of I want to help this person, answering this question is going to help me help them more effectively. I can do it very comfortably. If it's I'm trying to understand their emotional... You know, underpinning so that I can manipulate them, then right. I, it's very hard for me to do. Even though the question might be the same in either regard, so I think your own mindset is really important in making sure that your own intent is in the right place. And if that's the case, then you can be very comfortable asking the question. It's a huge difference. A huge
0: difference. And I think that's the difference between good salespeople and bad salespeople across the board. When you look start to finish on a sales call. You know, somebody prospecting that calls and says, hey, can I have five minutes of your time? I want to tell you about this great deal we have. And they're interrupting your day and they're pushing their agenda and they haven't asked for a second whether you want to hear it or you're interested or not. That's totally different than somebody that calls up and says, hey, did I, I catch you at a bad time? I'm not sure if it makes sense for us to talk or not. It's OK if you say no, but can I tell you who I am and, and what I do? And, and you tell me then if we should hang up. hmm that's, that's completely different. And all it is, is the intention. Both people are making cold calls at Sandler. We teach you people even to be more honest than that. So if you really want to try one and you got some guts, you know, on your next call, just say, Hey, Gregory, this is a cold call. Uh, do you want to hang up now? <laughs> <laughs> and it usually gets a laugh and they go, no, what do you got? And you uh-huh. go, okay, I'll, let me tell you, I promise it'll be a short conversation if there's nothing here. If there is, we'll schedule time to talk later. I don't want to interrupt your day. Yeah, really low pressure, really easy in their best interest. But there's some cool stuff and there's a lot of people in pain right now. If we think about uh, if you had the COVID vaccine or you have a cure for cancer, you'd probably want to call up everybody and say, hey, do you want this or not? Mm -hmm. If if no, and you're you don't like vaccines and you're not going to do it. Great. We'll hang up. There's plenty of people that want it. Uh, But if you do want it, I can tell you where you can go to to get it and get that appointment scheduled for you. That's a helpful phone call. It's basically
2: a sales call, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it goes back to the intent, like we were talking yeah. about. So, as we're as we're running low on time here, I wanted to ask you about the podcast, the How to Succeed podcast, and what are the things that you cover on there? Because it's How to Succeed is a little bit of a different title, I guess, than I would have suspected. Right? It's not how to sell; it's how to succeed.
0: Yeah, we do have a Selling the Sandler Way podcast and one uh, another one called Activation Nation for SaaS companies. But the How to Succeed podcast is really about personal and professional growth. So mm-hmm. our tagline is help you get to the top and stay there. So we might be talking about goal setting, might be talking about communication. We do a lot of sales topics and stuff as well. A lot of leadership topics on there. We have uh, close to 500 episodes now coming up on that. And new one comes out every Monday, where I interview a guest on uh, the topic. And it's really around talking to cool people that have been successful, whether they're authors or successful salespeople or influencing uh, leaders, thought leaders. Uh, we've had Olympic athletes, uh, you know, guys that swam with Michael Phelps to people that were on uh, Deadliest Catch and in crazy situations about how do you design your career and stuff. And, and I just wanted to do something For me, that was about success, but but fulfillment of success, not just Mm -hmm. how do you make more money? Because there's lots of how do you sell out there? How do you make more money kind of stuff? I wanted it to be about how do you enjoy your career? How do you enjoy your life? How do you improve your attitude, your regular behaviors and actions and then get some cool tips and techniques in there, too, around how to do stuff better?
2: Very cool. We'll definitely want to check that out. And then you just launched another podcast, right? The Playful Human, which I think <laughs> is, is definitely interesting. Tell me a bit about that. So that one is my own personal passion project. I kind of saw
0: with the quarantines and stuff this year that just a lot of play and fun has been sucked out of, of life. And also, even before that, that there's this trend towards efficiency and time management and all of these apps and tools and, and we're all getting sucked in by social media and stuff that what we're kind of do is, doing is distracting ourselves. We're not really being engaged and and playful and and having fun or being social with other people. Like we all know social media is not social. (laughs) There's a big difference between, you know, talking with a friend in, in person and having dinner and seeing what they did on vacation on Facebook. So that's kind of the idea of this. It's reminding and encouraging adults to rediscover play and fun and recreation and making space in your life. To actually enjoy it, rather than waiting until you're you're 65 and retire and then go, oh, I should probably have some fun because uh, that was a lot of work. Like, like, let's have fun now. So it's Playful Humans uh, on iTunes, Google Play, and stuff, or PlayfulHumans.com. There's a community there too. I appreciate that.
2: Yeah, yeah, I love that, and I think we all need to be a bit more playful. My kids keep me somewhat playful, um, but uh, I, I'm always pulling away from that a little bit. I think I, I just need to dive into that more sometimes. I think.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I think as we grow up, we're all kind of we all kind of get beat down. I, I think of it kind of like a a sine curve or, or something. Or sometimes it's edges where, you know, when we're kids, we just play and we have fun, and that's natural. And you do goofy things and you wear weird clothes because you thought it was cool and crazy Halloween costumes and stuff. And then. A friend makes fun of you or somebody, an adult tells you to sit down and be quiet or somebody tells you you have to pay attention in order to get an A. And all of a sudden, these edges start rounding out and this this curve or wave of life where there used to be cool peaks and some valleys. It all just kind of becomes smooth and monotonous. And if you think about like an EKG machine, right, when it flatlines, that's bad. (laughs) And some of us, I think, in 2020 got to where our life just flatlined. There's nothing interesting happening about it. So I want to put some more
2: variability uh, in it for people and have some fun. I love it. I love it. So just a few more questions for you that I ask everybody who I have on the show. You bet. The first one's around the power of conversation, right? I really feel like one conversation has the power to change your direction in your life or the direction that you take. So I always like to ask folks if there's one conversation that you can point to that really had a meaningful impact on the direction that you ended up taking.
0: There was, and um, I haven't thought about it in a while, but it it has kind of shaped my philosophy since then. Coming out of high school, I went to Catholic school for 11 years and then public school for a couple of years, but I was thinking about becoming a priest and and going to the the seminary, and I spoke with our local pastor, and he was asking me some really good questions and, and doing his job, and I don't know if this is a tactic they always use or not, but he told me like, hey, if you want to get married and have a family and stuff, do that. And you can become a priest later. But if you become a priest, you cannot have a family and get married and have kids and stuff. Uh So think about that and that the order matters. And I thought, wow, that's really good. And so when I was in my 20s, I kind of used that as a philosophy of like, well, if I'm young and healthy, let me go be an athlete now because I can't be an athlete when I'm 65. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I can, but not, you know, not you know, professionally or something, probably. Um, and same thing with my career. Like I was on the radio and I would uh, DJ in bars and clubs. And I figured, well, when I'm 40 and I have kids, I'm not going to be wanting to be up till one or three o'clock in the morning DJing in a club. So let me do that. Well, I do want to do that now in my 20s and it really helped shape the philosophy for me. Very cool, very powerful.
2: You, otherwise you could be a priest today. That, that, that'd be an interesting path for you yeah, to take. Yeah, order matters for sure. Yeah. Absolutely, and you can always go back or, or look at the deacon mm-hmm. route as well. My wife is also, yeah. my wife is a Catholic school teacher. I went to Catholic school, I went to public school growing up, but um, we're, we're awesome. a Catholic family as well. So, So second question, if you think about the journey that you've had so far, and all all that you've accomplished, all the challenges that you've been through, if there's one skill, one communication skill you could have had in more abundance that would have made it all a little bit easier, what would that be?
0: Oh, wow. Um, That one is a tough one. I think probably everybody uh, would default to listening. and, And I think that's probably where I would go. And then, Also, maybe more on uh, influence, which is funny because I do sales training and and influence, but I think sometimes (laughs) I tend to rely on the saying it rather than asking questions and allowing people to discover stuff. You've probably even heard that on the podcast here today. I get that I'm the guest and not supposed to ask the questions, but it's really easy for me. I love talking about the answers and the philosophy and the thinking behind things rather than when I'm teaching and when I'm coaching somebody, I really have to work on slowing down, listening to where they are, meeting them where they are, Mm -hmm. and then asking questions to let them discover it rather than just
2: saying what I think is important. Yeah. And that is certainly an art as well as a science. And I think it takes some time to learn how to do that. I'm not great at it either. Yeah. It's definitely a tough one for sure. And next question is who is the best communicator that you know? And you don't have to know them personally. You could know them or know of them. And and why do you say that about them?
0: That is uh, maybe I'll give you a, a few. But let's. I got one. Uh, I think we can talk about. So I love Seth Godin. I think he is a brilliant marketer and a really a great kind of listener and very empathetic in his his communication and. and with people and, and on podcasts and everything. Same thing with Dave Ramsey. Um, He has a little bit more of a direct personality, which Mm -hmm. is interesting and it's not mine. So he might not sound the most like warm and fuzzy Mr. Rogers person, but he also has really great empathy of what I was just talking about working on. And then in my personal life, I was thinking about a cousin of, of mine. I kind of joke, I'm not going to say their name because (laughs) because (laughs) I kind of joke with our family about it. When you talk to this person, it's like being on a talk show or something. Uh, she is just really interested in what you have to say, asks really follow up questions that most people don't, right? If you're like, yeah. hey, how's work going? And they're like, oh, fine. And, and then she always seems to remember that, like, oh, did you last time you were talking about, you know, switching roles? Did that happen? And how do you like that? Or why would you want to do that? And just naturally ask follow up questions where most people go, ah, all right. So, how about the fame? You know, and they move on.
2: Yeah. So, it's
0: really like being on a a talk show or a podcast when talking to her. And it's a really cool experience for sure.
2: Yeah. I I mean, I think that that is also a great sales tool if you have that talent or can build that talent to curiosity. Yeah. For sure. And true, just passionate, genuine curiosity um, is, is an amazing thing. So, last question for you Where can people find you? So uh, definitely, if you're a podcast listener, search for
0: How to Succeed or Playful Humans podcast. And then if you're looking for more information on sales or sales leadership, sandler.com sell. It stands for Sandler eLearning Library, sandler.com sell. There are thousands of resources, podcasts, white papers. Uh, we have newsletters, YouTube videos, all kinds of cool stuff in there. And it's free. You get it free for a year. So sign up sandler.com
2: sell. Very cool. Uh, So thanks for the time today, Mike. I thought this was a tremendously valuable interview. I learned a lot. I'm sure my audience learned a lot. And I think it's going to help us be better communicators as well as as better salespeople. So, So thank you for that. Thank you.
0: I appreciate you inviting me again. It's great to talk with somebody who uh, understands it as well. It helps me think deeper. Don't let the momentum so stop like now. Continue your path doing. towards
1: connecting so at another level by joining Thanks. the communication you. nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at facebook.com slash groups join the communication nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life. And that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.